0: is an Odyssey original.
1: This is KDX in depth. I'm Rob Archer. And I'm Charles
2: Feldman investigators working to find out why a driver smashed into more than two dozen law enforcement recruits earlier this morning in the Whittier area. They were all out running when an SUV going the wrong way hit them as they were on a training run. Five of them critical injuries, the driver detained We'll go in depth into what exactly happened, or at least what we know. Former President Trump launches his presidential campaign, but he hardly got the warm media reception, at least in some areas that he had been used to. And more and more voters here in Southern California and across the country are warming up to rent control and affordable housing.
1: We've been telling you about COVID, the flu, and RSV. Now there's another respiratory virus to look out for that's moving around Southern California. We'll go in-depth on that. The World Health Organization has some new guidelines to help the survival of premature babies. And Thanksgiving's a lot more expensive now, so we'll explain if there's any way to save some money. And Scrabble is updating its dictionary. If you played the game, you can now use zedonk, Docs, and Foxhawk.
2: But we start with the tragedy in the Whittier area with law enforcement cadets with us now is our own John Beard who has been covering the story all morning. John, thanks for being with us. What's the latest there?
0: Well, the latest is that they they're in the middle of this investigation. They're trying to put all the pieces together, to figure out to figure out exactly what went wrong. They said that the driver was not under the influence. Um, you know, we talked to. The girlfriend of one of the injured recruits, though, who told us earlier today, she talked to her boyfriend. He was at the hospital. He had some injuries. He was okay. But afterward, she said that he told her that they were trying to get into the car because the driver still had his foot on the gas pedal. So he was trying to break the window and may have broken his hand in the process. And so they're still wondering what this was really all about.
1: Yeah, there were some a feeling among some that this was intentional in part because of the the story about the, the man's foot being on the gas pedal, but then also officially seemed to be leaning toward that it was an accident. Which, What's the feeling you get on this?
0: Well, in just talking to her, I mean, obviously these recruits felt that there was something really strange about that. Um, and I talked to another mom just a few minutes ago. She was in tears. Her Her son's okay. He was on the run, too. And basically, by the way, before I forget to tell you this, he was on the outside and switched to the inside of the pack, and she thinks it may have saved his life. That's what he was saying. But, again, you've got these two different versions. The mom said she didn't hear anything like that about the accelerator pedal. But the girlfriend that we talked to insists that, hey, look, there was something going on and these guys were all trying to get in that car to get that guy's foot off the gas pedal. So who knows? I mean, maybe he was just scared. You know, people uh, react in different oh, ways. Yeah.
2: Well, I, don't, I don't want to get too much into the area of speculation, but what, what do we know about the driver, if anything?
0: All I know, and, and I've been talking to other people today, so I've been working on different aspects of the story, but all I know is that he's a 22-year-old from Diamond Bar, and again, the sheriff had said that, that the breathalyzer test came up negative, that he didn't have any alcohol in the system, and as you guys said, they're all thinking that this might just be a tragedy. That's all. Uh,
2: can I presume also, John, that they would be running uh, other toxicology uh, labs for blood, which might indicate uh, perhaps if he took anything else other than alcohol, which wouldn't show up on a breathalyzer.
0: You would think so, and especially in an accident involving, what, 22, 23 people, yeah. that they would take those steps. Uh, the sheriff says, uh, the, the, the other thing, the authorities were adamant about this, too. They said they want to make sure that other people come forward who may have seen this because they want other witnesses to tell them what they saw, what was going on. I know a lot of people here were just stunned that 22 law enforcement recruits would end up getting basically run over.
1: Just a a horrible, horrible tragedy. We want to thank John Beard for taking some time with us to give us an update on what's going on.
2: Right now, uh, former President Trump announcing he's running for president again in 2024, but he didn't uh, get the news coverage and attention as he did when he uh, strolled down that staircase back in 2015. MSNBC didn't carry his address. Fox News did, but cut away for a bit. Then, of course, there's the New York Post, uh, which was owned by Rupert Murdoch, as is Fox News, by the way, and had been a supporter of Mr. Trump in the past. But the New York Post referred to him on the bottom of the front page as, and I'm quoting now, Florida man. Terry Madonna is a political analyst and pollster from Millersville University in Pennsylvania. Terry, thanks for being with us. Uh, I mean, talk about... Uh, uh, Sending a signal when you have a, a paper yeah. like the New York Post, which is, as I said, owned by by the uh, Murdoch Empire, which has long been a supporter of Mr. Trump. And you mm-hmm. can argue largely responsible, along with his television appearances, of course, for catapulting him into the White House for for the New York Post to refer to him as Florida man. And the story was not until page 26 or 27, I believe. Wow. What yeah. does that yeah. What does that say?
3: Well, what it says is that uh, Donald J. Trump's support has uh, slipped and slipped considerably. Make no mistake about it. Uh, he has opponents out there who are you know, ready and willing to run. Now, we'll have to see if they ac- actually do. Uh, but there isn't any doubt. Many establishment Republican Party leaders, in a sentence, say it is time to move on. In other words, Trump had his four years as president. He ran for reelection and lost. Now is the time to move on. And by the way, I listened to the speech, watched it rather, because that's what I do, just like you do. And I thought it was one of his better speeches. I'm not I'm a neutral. I'm not supporting Trump. I'm not supporting anyone. But he did get into detail about his four years in office, and he compared that To U.S. in decline now. And he went through the specifics of the decline in so many different aspects of our life, not just the economy, but immigration. As he put it, America has been brought to its knees, uh, to paraphrase him. So the, the bigger point I'm trying to make here is that the real question now is, does Trump have a large enough support base To deal with Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor who was just reelected, or Glenn Youngkin, the Virginia Republican governor, or who knows, Mike Pence, who has a book out and he's now traveling across the country promoting it. But, you know, it's it's not it's obvious that there's going to be a pretty a a, a pretty important uh, series of primary elections.
1: Did you see the uh, reporting of uh, I think there was some video posted from uh, back in the back of the crowd that some people were trying to leave uh, no, uh, during I, the I speech? That. And then and then I, I, I believe it was an ABC reporter tweeted on video and the security was not allowing them to leave, uh, leave yeah. the room. They had to stay in until the speech was done.
3: Speech was done. no. Uh, look, look, he in due respect to him, he didn't go off. The script, you know, he can go off the script and say things that you go, you turn around to the person, did he just say that? <laughs> you know how he can get, and he he didn't do that. But but uh, which,
4: he didn't.
2: But he didn't. But he also said things that weren't true as well.
3: Well, oh sure, oh oh yeah. Well, I
2: mean yeah. there is that.
3: <laughs> oh <laughs> oh sure. Oh sure. But you know how he can be in speeches. I mean, he can just be dreadful to put it bluntly, in terms of how he handles himself, and he refrained from that. I think, he, look, he has a, a base in the party. The big question is, how big is the base and will it grow? And my hunch is that more Republicans want to move on than want to stay with him, if you get my point. And we're going to have to wait and see who actually decides to file, you know, to run in these primaries against him. The more obvious figure is is Governor DeSantis, who won this huge victory in a re-election to the Florida governorship, and, of course, Trump went after him immediately and yeah. criticized him. Uh, Terry, Terry, wouldn't,
2: so, wouldn't the—I want to go back to the, the media coverage for a second okay. here, uh, because— the New York Post putting it, as I said, on page 26 or 27. Right. Uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, has been very critical of him of later. Right. It's more exactly. critical. So has Fox News, all again, Rupert right. Murdoch's properties. That's clearly sending a more than a hint to him, because why do I suspect if, say, Ron DeSantis were to announce tomorrow that the New York Post would put that very, it would be front page. It would be front page, right, as opposed to That's, Mr. Trump's 20, page no. 26, 27. So aren't they kind of saying to him, uh, goodbye guy?
3: There's, oh, there's no doubt about it. I couldn't agree more with you. I, you know, you're know, you absolutely correct. And again, they're part of the Republican, I'll put it this way, the Republican slash conservative media outlets who say the time has come to move on. Uh, and my sense is that, that Uh, Joe Biden, who has hinted he's going to run for re-election, will probably announce sometime soon.
1: All Uh, right. Uh, Well, thank you very much. Uh, Terry Madonna there, a political analyst pollster from Millersville University in Pennsylvania, of course, making an interesting comment that uh, Joe Biden may decide to announce he's running so long as uh, Trump is running.
2: A little bit later, the World Health Organization out with new guidelines meant to help doctors treat premature babies. And you can now use subtweet and unfollow when you play Scrabble.
1: Right now, though, more momentum seems to be building for rent control and more affordable housing. This recent election saw ballot measures here in Southern California and across the country deal with the issues as rising housing costs put a strain on people. Santa Monica voters just passed a rent control measure and one in Pasadena winning right now. Ryan Bell is a campaign organizer for Pasadena for Rent Control, which led the push for the rent control ballot measure there. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. We do appreciate it. uh, so this idea of rent control, obviously, you know, I, I get the sense that uh, politicians, like, they think it's a good idea, but they're afraid to maybe upset some of the wealthier donors who owned uh, a lot of property and a lot of buildings. And so they're kind of letting voters take the initiative on this and say, we want rent control. Is uh, is that accurate?
5: I mean, I think a lot of the politicians um, sort of subscribe to an older um, economic um consensus about rent control, that it's going to make housing situation worse. But, you know, recent experiments with rent control really haven't borne that out. Um, You know, a lot of elected officials are also landlords themselves. And so I think they have conflicted, you know, self-interest there. Um, Our city, you know, mostly stayed out of it and voted to remain neutral. But a couple of individual council members did speak out against the measure and one council member supported
2: you know, as you probably know, I think it's about half the nation's uh, rental housing stock is now owned by uh, large businesses, uh, but the rest owned by, you know, mom and pa folks who uh, maybe they have one home that they rent out some rooms and maybe they have, you know, two or more, but they're not large companies. And they make the argument that rent control is not going to be helpful to them because it's going to drive up their costs and they are not going to be able to to pass along those costs to tenants if these different measures pass around the country?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's different in different states, but you know our measure was designed to um, fall hardest on those corporate landlords that you're describing, um, people that have one unit or two units, uh, maybe a single-family home that they rent out. It'll cost them about $150 to $180 a year. That's pretty much it. And um, if they're already being fair to their tenants, then the the measure really won't affect them at all because the measure allows fair rent increases. And if they aren't making a profit, they can appeal to the rent board for an upward adjustment in rent um, because the state of California and the federal government guarantees landlords a fair return on their investment.
1: And sometimes with rent control, you find people, uh, especially in an areas where there's rent control here but not over there, so people want to stay in the rent control as long as they can, which means that those units don't come up for rent. Uh, how do you address the uh, the idea that some have from the other side that this means there's less places to move into?
5: Well, there's also you – know, I think the main thing is that rent control isn't designed to fix everything about the rental housing market and the challenges that we're facing. Um, We do need more affordable housing um, built at an affordable level for folks. Um, And also, you know, homeowners get to stay put in their homes. um, And it's sort of a luxury of being a homeowner. And I think it's actually a social good for our communities, for tenants to be able to stay put, put down roots. There tends to be less crime in communities where tenants are more stable and not so mobile all the time. Um, So I think it's overall a net good for tenants to be able to stay if they want to stay.
2: I'm wondering, uh, Ryan, if either instead of or in addition to rent control, if another fix might be that, uh, you know, our tax system in this country is biased toward homeowners because you can take your mortgage payments and uh, deduct those uh, against your taxes, but you can't your rent. Uh, And there are people who throughout the years have advocated for being able to take your rent or at least part of your rent. And to be able to itemize that when tax time comes, would that be at least a partial solution?
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think the federal government has had an interest in the stability of homeowners. And, you know, when that mortgage um, interest deduction became um, the law, it was an effort to keep um, homeowners stably housed in their homes and to give them a kind of welfare in a way, if, if, if we can use the word welfare in a non-pejorative way, I think it is a kind of welfare for homeowners. And the same should be afforded to tenants for the same exact reason that stability, housing stability is um, a good. It's a it's a public health good. It's an educational positive for for children that are in school, um, you know, unintended or unplanned dislo- dislocation, like moving when you don't plan to move is is just hard on families and um, stability is is good
1: all right thank you so much it's uh ryan bell campaign organizer for pasadena for rent control which led the push for the rent control ballot measure there
2: you're listening to KX in depth with rob archer i'm charles feldman
1: Hospitals across Southern California have been seeing more people for respiratory viruses than normal for this time of year. It's because of COVID, the flu, RSV, and now a fourth virus that's starting to pick up.
2: Yeah, it's called HMPV. It's not new, by the way. It's been around the world, but generally it doesn't hit here right now. The virus is adding to the strain at hospitals and poses some potential dangers, especially for kids. Dr. Saman Radhakrishna is director of infectious disease with Dignity Health California Hospital in Los Angeles. Doctor, thanks for being with us. These viruses, HMPV, uh, RSV, as we've said, I mean, these are not new. They're not like COVID. They've been around for a very long time. So I guess my question to you is, are, are we starting to become perhaps a nation of hypochondriacs? Are we starting to overreact to the common and treat them as if they're uncommon?
4: First of all, thank you for having me. And uh, yes, the alphabet soup is absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, the reason why we are able to uh, find all these um viruses is because the PCR technology has become so easy to use and and is now readily available. And that's why we are finding all these viruses um, so easily. Does does this mean that human metanumovirus, which is HMPV, was not around? It was. It just wasn't easy to find because we didn't have the tests.
2: So, 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 in other words, wait a so, in other words, what, what? If I think I hear what you're saying, what you're saying is, what used to be when people used to say I have a cold, now they can identify it as, oh, I have HMPV, which, when you translate it, means I have a cold. That's correct. Yeah. So, I have a cold
4: <laughs> could be anything from rhinovirus, RSV, enteroviruses, parainfluenza virus, HMPV. Um, COVID now also is starting to behave like a cold. The mild cases of influenza look like cold. So it was a grab bag of everything. And now we have specific names because we're able to figure it out.
1: Okay. As Charles uh, mentioned earlier, a hypochondriacs, we're a nation of hypochondriacs sometimes. Uh, for those of us who are hypochondriacs, probably in a good mood right now, because now we've got something else we can point to. But the the point's a valid one, though. So if these have already been around, uh, do we need to worry about HMPV and uh, be concerned about it?
4: HMPV seems to affect people adversely more at the you know ends of spectrum. So the very young and the elderly and people who are immunocompromised have more uh, problems. Otherwise, it's a common code. For little children who have to breathe and drink milk at the same time, it's hard and they may stop eating and become fussy. For the elderly, they may stop eating, they may have worsening of asthma, they could have pneumonias and end up in the hospital. That's when you worry about it. Otherwise, a lot of people have the sniffles. It lasts somewhere between three to five days and then goes away.
2: Are we seeing, are you seeing more of these now than normal? And if so, what's the theory behind it?
4: We are seeing more of this, um, all these respiratory viruses now than we did. Um, let's not use the last two years because they were different. But before, We would start having problems when kids got back to school after the Christmas and New Year break. We saw some viral infections between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and this is all happening way before Christmas and way before Thanksgiving as well. And that is probably because our herd immunity has gone down. We stayed at home, we quarantined, so we were not exposed to infections, and we didn't boost ourselves to the viruses that caused what we previously described as common cold. The other thing is we're not masking anymore. Travel has gone up. Schools are open in full swing, in-person. Colleges are open in-person. And that's why people are getting these infections. And it's easy to transmit because the memory of um, that we would keep in our immune system has gone down.
1: Uh, very quickly here, because uh, we're almost out of time. Is it possible to uh, come down with a case of HMPV and COVID or one of these others at the same time?
4: it is quite possible that you could but most of the times we have a one predominant virus that is um causing our symptoms not necessarily two viruses at the same time but we have seen cases of influenza and covid we have seen cases of RSV rhinovirus and uh, influenza So it can happen, and that's when people are exceptionally sick.
2: I'm just curious, uh, doctor, is there a limit to how many letters a virus can be given? (laughs) I mean, does it go on and on and on?
4: Well, it's all permutation and combination of all the letters Uh, of the alphabet, so I guess it could go on and on. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you, Dr. Suman Radhakrishna, Director of Infectious Disease with Dignity Health, California Hospital in L.A. Premature babies can
2: often develop short and long-term health problems. Doctors have been working over the decades to try to make sure they can develop as normal as possible. Now, that's why the World Health Organization has new guidelines designed to help premature
1: babies. One guideline advises skin-to-skin contact with a caregiver... That, that should start immediately after birth without any initial period in an incubator. Well, this is Dr. Daniel Gangian, pediatrician, Providence St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, uh, how did the whole thing with, uh, putting a newborn into an incubator first, how, how did that get started? When did, when did that practice develop?
6: Yeah, correct. So this started years ago because preterm babies don't have enough body fat. And body fat is great insulation. It's like a a down comforter for a baby. And when you don't have that down comforter, babies lose heat very fast and they become hypothermic. So initially it was thought many years ago that we should, as soon as a preterm baby comes out, because they're so skinny and don't have that body fat, that natural down blanket on them, then you should quickly put them into an incubator. But now the latest research that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine shows that actually mama is best. My mom and best and just put her on mom's skin to skin, which can take the place of three to seven days of an incubator, which is phenomenal. So
2: I guess the question is, how has this been catching on? Because as you know, doctors are often slow to change their ways if they've been practicing for a long time anyway. Is it an uphill battle to get doctors to do that? And And also, is it an uphill battle to get parents to agree to it when they are used to historically hearing that? A premature baby needs to be put in an incubator.
6: Yeah, the truth is even medicine change of speed has changed. Um, it, well, it used to take things, uh, new guidelines, five to ten years to implement. Because of our latest technology and how fast we can implement changes, uh, changes happen very quickly. Over the next few months, you should start seeing the changes in a NICU near you. Um, uh, doctors and, and hospitals are constantly checking the new guidelines and finding out ways to improve. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if some hospitals are already implementing this starting this week.
1: Is there any uh, indication in, in this research that shows that this immediate skin-to-skin contact for, for these uh, babies also has a neurological effect? It affects them psychologically in some way down the road?
6: We've seen skin-to-skin in general, and that it has really improved the mother-child dynamic, um, allowed for emotional regulation as well. So, yes, that's the neural plasticity and, and how the brain has changed because of this constant contact we've known for years. But what this study is is that it's not just an emotional or neurological, it's actually a medical benefit as well, which is uh, phenomenal to see.
2: And- Incubators, uh, I presume that there still will be a need for them. What would the need be?
6: Yeah, there is still a need. Even even for full-term babies, we still have to put them incubators When you start seeing that the temperature is dropping despite um, appropriate skin-to-skin with mom, uh, so then, yes, you would still put them in an incubator um, or if you have to do any sort of therapy, light therapy. So, yes, incubators will still play a role but not as great a role as they used to.
1: So have you yourself uh, uh, started to adopt this practice?
6: You know, the study just came out, so not yet, but I look forward to adopting it shortly.
1: So what's your sales
2: pitch to the parent who's going to say, oh, but my baby is premature. You know, he or she belongs in an incubator. What are you going to say?
6: I'm going to say my, my motto, mama is best. You know, just like mama's milk is best, mama is best. And uh, usually moms will instinctively want that as well. If there's any fear about it, i would, I would show them a study about it, and I'll, and I'll try to talk to them logically about it. But usually when you have a good rapport with the patient, patients will trust you, and they'll say, okay, you know what? I want to do what the doctor recommends.
1: All right, thank you so much. Dr. Daniel Gangian, pediatrician at Providence St. John's Health Center in uh, Santa Monica. Did you get a lot of skin-to-skin contact with your uh, parents when you were growing up there, when you were a little baby? No, I was wearing a parka. Because <laughs> it so. was cold? Yeah. Yeah, all right. That would have an effect. Uh, coming up, we have another half hour of In-Depth on the way. Thanksgiving is getting even more expensive this year. And Scrabble is adding new words to get us ready to use uh, the words like page view.
2: This is KNX In-Depth, Rob Archer, and Charles Feldman.
1: If you're the one stuck in charge of the big Thanksgiving meal this year, we hope you have been saving your money. The cost of turkey, potatoes, stuffing, and all the other big food staples for the holiday have seen price surges higher than 10%. Now
2: you can thank inflation, so is there any way to save money? Chris Motella is a economic analyst with uh, MerchantMaverick.com. Chris, thanks for being with us. So if uh, you have a family of, say, four or five, and maybe you're having another, I don't know, five to 20 guests for Thanksgiving dinner, is there a way to economize and still have a good
7: time and have enough food for everyone to eat? So I've outlined uh, three potential strategies. Uh, They may not go over well with everyone, but uh, I think the people that are going to be in the biggest amount of trouble are probably going to be the ones that want to have a perfectly traditional Thanksgiving. So... My first uh, potential strategy is to give up and eat out. And I say this because uh, eating out is actually inflation in uh, the LA area is only about 4.5% relative to last year. Uh, but eating at home is up about 10.8%. So there's a pretty major difference there. Now, obviously, eating out is not uh, what everyone wants to do, but That's one option.
2: But but wait, so so you're saying it would be actually cheaper to have a Thanksgiving or any other kind of dinner in a in most restaurants in L.A. than to actually bring a turkey and cranberry and stuffing and whatever else into the home?
7: Relatively speaking, uh, in terms of how much you're paying, you would be paying for that same meal this year as opposed to last. So, depending on how many people you have, there's you know still an economy of scale to bring. you know, the more people you have. But uh, overall, uh, the cost of groceries uh, in a lot of car- uh, categories is higher than eating out.
1: What do you think abortion. about the idea of spreading some of the cost around? Like if you if you have a lot of family coming in, you kind of pawn off, uh, uh, well, you're going to bring the stuffing and you're going to bring this. And then the relative that you don't like, they, they got to get the expensive turkey.
7: Yeah, that was actually my uh, second strategy would ah, be to see. have a cheesecake potluck. And uh, I think, you know, bringing your, uh, your problematic uncle, uh, making him bring the turkey or the roast is uh, kind of a win-win situation for everyone, right?
2: And the third option, you said?
7: So the third option's a little bit weird, and I call this uh, more of a tactical Thanksgiving. Now, that's because inflation is not evenly distributed across all categories. Um, so in LA, for example, meat is actually only up about three percent. Um, that's probably going to be a little bit higher for poultry, but uh, given the time of year. However, you could save some money by switching to like another meat, one that's less in demand right now. You know, have like a prime rib or uh, a roast of some kind, maybe. Uh, the place where you're really going to get hit hard is actually on uh, grains and baked goods that's up almost twenty percent eight point nine 18 point9 rather um, year- over year but why so, is it but,
2: but, but why is it up that high I mean inflation has been high but it certainly hasn't been 17 18 percent why why are the food products going up that much it seems uh, inordinately high
7: a lot of that's distribution um, particularly uh, truck based uh, there's also a hot, lot of inflation in uh, diesel right now, um, but and, you know, as far the farther away things are coming from, the the more it may affect uh, individual prices. Um, I'm not sure precisely why grains are higher than some of the others, um, but in your area, they definitely are.
1: Another thing you can do is probably just limit the number of guests you have coming in. For example, at my house, we're only going to invite, uh, well, me and my wife, and then uh, maybe Charles, maybe uh Karen Adams, and that's about it. You know, we're not going to have a lot of people coming in. Yeah, I'm not coming. Okay. So uh no turkey. So uh, that is one way to do that. Uh So we're not talking about, just very quickly before we go, we're not talking about food shortages. We're not talking about turkey shortages. We're talking about distribution. That's why you say these prices have jumped up so high?
7: For the most part, yeah. I don't think you'll necessarily have a hard time finding uh, food for Thanksgiving, but you, you may be paying a lot more for it. You know, you might have to search one or two more stores. Um, an interesting thing is that non-alcoholic beverages are way up, are up a lot more than alcoholic beverages right now. So you could have an interesting Thanksgiving that way.
1: Okay. There you go. Uh, it's going to be an alcoholic Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. Thank you, uh, Chris uh, Matola, Economic Analyst at uh, MerchantMaverick.com.
2: Uh, everyone knows the game Scrabble. Uh, you have the letter, titles, uh, tiles, and you make words on a board and get points, but you have to use words that are in the dictionary. You can't just make up words, and when the game Scrabble players are very instrictin about that. Now, that's not a word. I think I made that up. <laughs> but apparently, uh, it may someday be a word you actually can
1: use? Uh, for example, you just can't use the word Grawlix, except that now you can't. Grawlix. That word about 500 th- others have been added. Is. What is growlicks? Well, I, I, We're going to have to ask because I have no idea. Uh, is that like a
2: cheap Rolex?
1: You know, we could growlicks? guess. I don't know what that is. Grawlix. It yeah. sounds like some kind of problem that you have with your do esophageal not, uh, tract when you not, can't.
2: Do not grawl? I, I don't know.
1: Right. Let's not have any growling right now. Uh, we have with us uh, Alan Stewart, director of the uh, Los Angeles Scrabble Club. He's been the uh, MC nine times for the National Scrabble Championship. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, first two questions. One, uh, did I say Grawlix right? And two, what the heck is a Grawlix? That's a great
8: question. And thanks for having me on this afternoon a Growlix, which I just learned this morning, like you guys are going to learn now, is a string of characters say to, instead of when you're watching maybe a comic script, you're reading a comic strip, and there's a bunch of characters in a row, and those characters represent maybe something that you shouldn't really say. Maybe there are dirty words, perhaps like a question mark, an exclamation mark, an equal sign, a dollar sign, all in a row, and that's what Growlix means.
2: Okay. Who decided that?
8: I have no idea. The words are usually culled from our most popular dictionaries, and in this case, Webster's editors went through many dictionaries, and they will find published entries of these words in newspapers, magazines, media. And then every few years, they'll come up with a list to include them into the following Scrabble Dictionary.
2: Do we know if some of these editors are drinking a lot when they made these decisions?
8: (laughs) No, we know that they're all drinking a lot. (laughs) And they're they're Grolixing a lot. I believe a cocktail party has come up with all these lists.
1: So how often does this happen, that that they sit down and, and the official Scrabble gods say, we need some more words added to the official dictionary?
8: Basically about every five years or so. It's sporadic. Sometimes it's been eight or nine years. I think this time around, it's been about four or five years since our last edit of a new dictionary. And, you know, it's a great day when words like convo, deepfake, and vax are included in the next edition of the dictionary.
2: Does this change uh, depending on country? Because people play Scrabble all over the world, right? And so uh, I presume they have board games of Scrabble with letter tiles and other for other languages. Is that right?
8: Yeah, that's true. There are actually two in the English language. There is the NWL, which is the NASPA Scrabble list. That's the official list used in North America for the most part. And then there's another one called Collins, which is based on a British dictionary, and it's much more inclusive. There are many, many more words in the Collins division, in the Collins uh, edition that is, and many countries around the world play with it. But in the US, we play with the NWL. So, now, the- of course, these, yeah, cool. new,
2: these new words that are being added all the time, are they added uniformly to the official Scrabble dictionaries all over the world, or is it just here in the U.S.?
8: Well, this list pertains to the U.S. only. Okay. So anyone who uses this particular dictionary, whether it be the U.S. or Canada or other various countries in the world that play with this dictionary, will use the same one. So the dictionary does come from the U.S., it comes out of the Webster editor and then goes into the official Scrabble player's dictionary.
3: Now,
1: one thing that irritates me about Scrabble, the last time I played was maybe 10 years ago, is that I always seem to get tiles that I can do absolutely nothing with, and then all my friends always get the easy ones, and they've suddenly got all these high-point words. But I get stuck with something like, let's say, Grawlix uh, years ago, 10 years ago. If I tried to play that, and it it got ruled out of order because that's not a real word, is this change retroactive? Can I go back to the people I played the game with and say, look, see, I won this game?
8: You can go back to them and say, if only it was 10 years ago, (laughs) this word would be good that's about all you could do
2: i mean do do people get into fights about this in official games uh, competitions where one person is adamant that a word is legit and another person just is steadfast and saying nope no way
8: well there's a rule that covers that it's called the challenge rule so if you played a word against me and i thought that word was unacceptable we could get it adjudicated in a dictionary. In a on a computer, a laptop probably at most clubs like mine, and you would walk over. You would punch in the entries, whether it be one word you're challenging in the play or two or three words that were formed. You would type them in, and then the answer would come back acceptable or not acceptable, and then the argument is basically over.
2: Is there
1: a new word to describe that process? (laughs)
8: <laughs> no, but there probably will be pretty soon.
1: Uh, this just occurred to me. Uh, do, does the official Scrabble list of words that are approved ever face challenges from people to say that uh, there might be a bias there uh, against certain communities that have maybe their own way of speaking, their own language, their own way they look at the world?
8: The only time that happened is when a few years ago there were words that were deemed offensive or vulgar to some people. And we won't go through all those now, but they were removed from the official, official dictionary. There were about 200 entries involved, and uh, they had to take them out because some people were bothered by those words, maybe appearing on a board if they played. And so in an official play, if someone plays a word that has been taken out for vulgarity, it won't be in the dictionary any longer, And though if we do walk over to the computer and type it in, it will no longer be there.
2: Do you know uh, perhaps another couple of words that we can use on the air anyway that are new?
8: Yeah, we can use guac, G-U-A-C, which is short for guacamole. Everyone okay. says well, that, that makes right. sense.
2: That one makes sense. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'll have chips and guac, right? That, yeah, okay. Right,
8: exactly. All and right. sound bar. We all know sound bars are sold all the time. So that's a new word. Right. And then one that took a while to get in and in today, uh, two of them actually, Vax, V-A-X, which is like being vaccinated. Right. And you can also spell it not only with one X, you can spell it with two X's. And if you did that, you would need a blank because there are only one X in the uh, one hundred tiles in a set.
2: Do you play? So do you, do you, you spell it with two X's if you've had a booster?
8: I think if you had three boosters, you'd need two blanks. <laughs> <Okay. Two X's. laughs> also, right. the word uh, fork. You know what a fork is, right? Yeah. A combination of a spoon and a fork. You might get that at a fast food restaurant. So that has finally made the dictionary, and that's important for two reasons. Not only is it a kind of a common word we hear all the time, but if the word pork was on the scrabble board and you had a word that you can only fit if you hook the S on pork to make pork, less that's an advantage for you, right?
1: I guess. (laughs) It just seems to me spork should have been in there sooner than just now. It should. We've had sporks for a long time. Also, the word ROID,
8: R-O-I-D. Like he's on roid, <laughs> so roid is acceptable. Deep fake is new. Um, Intel finally makes it into the dictionary. I N T E L. And then you have body cam and dash cam and convo. So there are a lot of interesting words that have come about because they're used more recently than maybe thirty or forty years ago. Words that come into the vernacular because they're of you know of modernity. Things that come in because of um, recent events.
2: Well, like I, well, I want to officially submit my suggestion from earlier in strict yeah. for being strict <laughs> to strict to make stricter. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 will, I want to officially enter that for consideration.
8: Well, you understand that could be restricted.
1: <laughs> yes, it's let's right, it? disrestrict that then. We could just restrict that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, That is uh, Alan Stern, director of the Los Angeles Scrabble Club. So now we're armed for our uh, next Scrabble game, Charles. Yeah, I'm not going to play. Maybe at the Thanksgiving dinner you're not going to show up at. No. All right. That is today's edition of uh, In Depth. We hope we have embiggened your mind. And uh, join us again tomorrow for another thrilling episode of In Depth.